0: Welcome to Two Rivers Leadership Podcast, a conversation about leading as a team because a great team is always better than great talent. Hey leaders, so excited that you're joining me today. I'm Will Hampton. This is the Two Rivers Leadership Podcast. We are on session number three. And I am just stoked that you are joining with us and walking on this journey together as we learn to lead as a team. What I want to do today is I want to talk about this idea of culture. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through the seven leadership cultural values that we have. These are the things that I believe we need to be able to accomplish in order to succeed as a church. If we don't do these things, if we fail at any one of these seven, we're going to derail. We're not going to be nearly as effective as we could be, and we're going to leave on the shelf things that we ought to be able to carry with us. And so I believe that culture is incredibly important. There's a huge difference between vision and culture. So we have this vision, we have this mission to see the world transformed by leading people to Jesus that's great, it's wonderful, but if we don't have any actions that back up the vision, we're not going to experience any success. So what we have to do is we have to create a culture, we have to create a method of functioning where we actually put teeth in the mouth of the lion. And so every one of these cultural values, we need to embrace as leaders. So what we have is we have a leadership culture, and then we have a kingdom culture that is a little bit separate. That's the that's what we will talk about with people that are coming to the church and, and kind of how the church is structured and our strategy and, and some of the, the values that kind of direct how we make decisions, but our leadership culture is how you and I will agree to play together in the sandbox. So we'll have to hold each other accountable to these type of behaviors. And I believe that culture trumps values all day long. So for instance, we were recently at a church where they have specific desires, like they want to reach their community. They want to be a blessing. They want to grow. They want to do... Quite a few things, but what was happening was none of that was occurring because they were embracing specific cultural values that were in conflict with their vision. So they could say, "Yes, we want to grow, we want to reach our community, we want to do, uh, we want to be life-giving," but the things that they were doing were not in in alignment with what they said they wanted to do. And so what what we will find as a group of leaders is that the uh, the degree to which our vision in our culture there's a gap between them the degree that the gap is that's the degree of frustration we will experience or the degree of ineffectiveness that we'll experience as a leadership team and that you could you could say that's true in your house as well like what you believe and what you do, the gap between those two things is going to be the frustration that you experience in your life. And so what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to be very clear about what we are going to do. That's the culture. It's how we function. This is a mindset that you have to adopt and you have to you have to drive out of your life the the activities and the functions that don't line up with this mindset. So so the first I'm, I'm first I'm just going to read all seven. I'm going to give you all seven of the leadership cultural values, and then and then we're going to tackle each one individually. So the the that I believe that leaders are learners. I believe that leaders grow on the go. I believe that leaders go first, that leaders create unity, leaders are gatherers and delegators, leaders are servants with ownership, and leaders have vision. So we're going to break those down one at a time, and we're going to cover each one of them. The first one that I want to cover, which I believe is the key to everything, the key that keeps us relevant, the key that keeps us from sort of dying, from being a, a church that's no longer effective, is this value that leaders are learners. Leaders are learners. When we look at the broad church movement, we have these amazing, uh, we're living in wonderful times because there, there are these guys that have the ability to kind of look at these big movements, and they, they're able to see kind of this the life cycle of churches. Now we're having data that's coming in from all all, all over the place, and whereas the the world was sort of insulated, and and we didn't have the ability to watch these broad movements and broad life cycles the way we do now. And and what we're finding out that there's there's really these sort of characterizations of of the life cycle of the church. And these three really big characterizations are that churches start out as movements, then they sort of move into a phase of museum, and then the last phase is the mausoleum when the church is just dying. So we said as a Like my wife and I, when we started Two Rivers Church, we said we wanted to be a movement and not a church. We wanted to release the presence of God through what we were doing. We didn't want to hold on to leaders. We didn't want to hold on to resources. We wanted leaders and people to kind of flow out of Two Rivers Church and create something that is going to impact our region and our world, and I don't believe you can do that by building a building. That's done when we release people and kingdom resources. So this, that's kind of how almost every movement starts. It starts with this kingdom mentality. We're going to do a bunch of things. We're looking forward. A movement has a destination. It has a bunch of people that are working and, and doing... All of these ideas, there's a soundtrack to every movement. There's like a sound, there's a song for a movement, there's a a group of ideas, and all of those things are propelling the church forward. Now, there's something that happens that as culture shifts, as culture changes, if the movement is not keeping up with culture, then we move from being a movement to a museum. The church at some point becomes irrelevant. Ideas have shifted in culture and the church is no longer trying to keep up with what culture is doing and no longer impacting culture because it's no longer relevant. And so what happens is that churches, instead of looking forward in the movement, begin looking backwards at the way things used to be. You start to hear people complaining that these people no longer love Jesus. Oh, our culture's falling apart. Oh, and we have all of these things like the church can't grow because people, and they have lots of excuses, and they, they are willing to trade effectiveness for their methodology. In the museum, we're more worried about protecting the building. We're more worried about protecting our particular program that worked 30 years ago, and it's no longer working now, but we have lots of excuses for why it's not working. We complain about how people have no commitment. They don't have, uh, you know, Bible foundation. There's all kinds of reasons why we complain about the ineffectiveness, and if people would just change, we could keep our program. And and so this becomes a museum, and what happens in there somewhere, we shift from looking forward to looking backwards, and it's not long before that museum becomes the mausoleum. Somewhere in the life cycle of the church, there's a moment when the church shifts from a movement to the museum. And I believe that moment is the, the moment that the church is dead and is sleepwalking, waiting to die. So there's, there's this critical moment somewhere where culture has shifted and the church was unaware of it, that methodologies needed to change and the church wasn't able to change, wasn't thinking about it, and there's a bunch of reasons for it, but that church is dead and they don't know it yet. And this is why I believe that leaders... It is absolutely critical for us to be learners. We have to have a thirst for information and a thirst for knowledge and a thirst because we love people too much to complain about them. We love people and we love our city. We love this nation. We love our world more than we love our methodology. And we're going to be learners. We're not going to sit back and say, this is the way it's always been. This is how it's always worked in the past. Because the moment we do that is the moment we set ourselves up to be irrelevant. The moment we set ourselves up to become a museum. And then we will eventually die. So here's what's, what I want us to learn and understand about leaders being learners, There's several aspects of that that I think we can embrace as a culture of leaders that will help us. Really, this is a, the key to everything. This is going to help you in every area of your life, in, in your relationship, in, in this idea, this idea that leaders are learners is in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Because who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the counselor. Now, when you and I think about counselor, we think of this person that we sit in an office and we we tell them all our things and we cry, but a counselor in the Bible was someone who gave us wisdom, was someone who gave us leadership, someone who guided us and told us the right way to do things, and if we would listen to the counselor, the Bible says that without Many counselors, the plan fails. Well, we don't need many counselors. we need the counsel of the Holy Spirit and then that counsel is given to us through many other followers of Jesus. There's many places that we can find wisdom. All truth is God's truth. There's no such thing as truth that doesn't come from God. So we can find wisdom in many different religions. We can find ris- wisdom in many different leadership cultures. But all through this God's truth, not, it doesn't mean that uh, if you have a wise statement that comes from uh, a Buddhist tradition that it's tainted. We just need to be able to follow the Holy Spirit to recognize what wisdom looks like. And so what we're going to do is at Two Rivers Church, we are going to create a high grace, high truth environment. There's, an, there's a whole generation of young leaders that are, that are coming up that have no idea what they're doing wrong. Like at the moment you start leading and the moment you start engaging, like it's all great when you kind of read about it in, in Bible college or when you read about it in a book. But then when you actually begin engaging and you're you're thinking, I did everything the book told me to do. How come this is not working? What you need is you need to be in a culture. You need to be in a uh, relational environment where there are spiritual fathers who are willing to look at you and say, "Son, daughter, this is what you're doing wrong." Let me tell you, when when you're trying to do that thing, your hair is sticking up, and it, you just look goofy, and and nobody wants to follow somebody that looks goofy, and and so that's kind of this high truth environment, but that only works in a high grace environment so that you have the opportunity to go out and fail over and over and over. I have children and I don't spank my children when they fall down while they're learning to walk. That's That'd be insanity. That's abuse. That's, that's silliness. But as my kids are learning to walk, I say, hey, that was great. That was awesome. Why don't you try it like this? Why do- what if we did that? And I'm encouraging them, I'm building them up. And so the best environment to be a learner in is an is an environment where we have high grace and high truth. Because I, I define learning this way: it's it's this a desire to learn and a willingness to change. So so that it's not just that I am have a thirst for information or a thirst for knowledge, it's that I am Taking that information in and I'm willing to change. I'm willing to do something different. And, and I believe that if we can create a high grace and high truth environment, that there are tons of people that can come into that place and learn and develop and grow because we're getting the information that we actually need. It's, it's, we're only ever one awkward conversation away from a breakthrough. So it's these environments, I think, culturally, uh, we we know what we ought to tell each other. We know what it takes to go to the next level. We know where things are broken, but everybody's trying to be too polite. Everybody's trying to be too, um, like, I, I don't want to tell them that's what's wrong. We're going to sugarcoat everything. And... What has to happen is we just have to have the ability to, in a high grace and high truth environment, hear what I'm doing wrong because I don't want to spend the rest of my life being ineffective. I don't want to spend the rest of my life doing the wrong things, thinking everything's okay. If you've ever watched American Idol and there's the one person that gets on there and they they are terrible. They have no ability to sing whatsoever. And everyone around them, their sweet grandmother has told them, Honey, that's amazing. You're wonderful. It's so good the way that you sing. And then they get on national television. Because their grandma told them that they were wonderful. And they are thinking that they're, they are the next American Idol. They're absolutely convinced of it. And then they get in front of Simon Cowell. And, and, and I, I actually appreciate Simon Cowell because I think, man, Simon Cowell is, he is kind of harsh. I'll, I'll give you that. He's a little brutal. But these people need to hear that they're no good at singing. And what they need to hear then is how can they improve? And, and so they become really out of touch they' become really far away from where they need to be because they don 't have anyone telling them this is this is the truth then in our culture we're going to have a high grace environment where you can now go back and try it again and be be able to fail over and over and over again and I believe that failure is the building block of success. I believe that if if you're willing to learn if you're willing like I can take anyone from anywhere who is willing to learn and never stop changing, never stop growing, never stop improving. If you're willing to learn, then you will be successful. So let me tell you a couple of things, a couple of roadblocks that stand in the way of this leaders are learners mentality. There's, there's a few things that we need to confront in our high truth environment and a few things that you need to confront in your own life that are going to keep you from it. The first one is pride. The second one is fear. The third, the third thing that you need to be aware of is an in, your insecurity. The fourth is your pace of life. You can't be a learner if you're busy doing everything. You never take time to step back and and see what's going on. And then pain. So so there's a, there's pain involved in learning. And if you if you aren't willing to go through the pain if you're not willing to slow down if you're not willing to deal with the idea of your own insecurity if you're not willing to confront your fears and you're not willing to recognize your pride you won't be able to be a good learner so what what is the keys to being a good learner well i think the first key is to have a heart of humility learners always are willing to relearn what they think they already know. The, the, the Craig Rochelle likes to say, "The enemy of success, future success, is current success." We get prideful in where we are. We get so willing to congratulate ourselves that we stop learning. That we stop hustling, we stop thinking about the future, and so we have to have a heart of humility. Humility is the absolute baseline of a great learner. You can learn from anyone, so the second thing that we we really need to be a great learner is you need to be able to ask great questions. Always have a good question lined up when you go to meet someone so i I met Steve Pike, he was the church multiplication network director. And I had all these questions for Steve, and I realized those are all dumb questions. You know what I need to do when I go to lunch with Steve Pike? I need to ask him, Steve, if you were going to plant a church, how would you do it? And then I just sat there and wrote as he talked, and I took notes, and I absolutely absorbed everything that he had to say. If you can get good at asking great questions then you're going to be able to learn very quickly from everyone around you. The heart of, in fact, the Bible says, there's, there's this great verse in, in the King James. It says that there's counsel, the counsel in the heart of man is like deep waters. So there's something in there, it's, it's like it's down deep in you. But a man of wisdom will draw it out and 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 so there is this capacity within us if you're willing to ask great questions if you can if you can do that the heart of wisdom is the this partnership with the holy spirit that really begins to draw out of us this wisdom that comes and then and then the next thing is to seek out learning opportunities go to every single conference you can get to find out who's doing what you do like find the best churches find the best people at your thing that you're doing and, and call them and ask them and talk to them and find out what they're doing. Listen to leadership podcasts, listen to, uh, this podcast, dial it in and grab that information. And if you seek out learning opportunities and you have that desire to learn and that willingness to change, you're going to develop in ways that are remarkable. And, and I just really believe it that if you'll kind of do those things, if you'll be willing to relearn what you think you already know, if you have a heart of humility, if you're willing to confront in your life the pride and the fear and the insecurity and the pace in the pain, then you're going to have this edge as a leader that's going to carry us as a movement into the next generation, and into the next generation, into the next generation. We're going to be able to build a leadership culture that will stand the test of time, that won't die because we've embraced our methodology over the message. We'll be able to move with culture and continually apply the word of God and the truth of God to an ever-changing, rapidly-changing culture. We're going to be more effective with what we do and where we go, and I believe it that as you adopt this value, it will it will absolutely revolutionize your life in every single area. Leaders are learners. So I'm so excited. That you would be willing to adopt this. This is the culture that we're gonna hold each other accountable to. And I can't wait to learn with you as we do this together. Great teams are always gr- better than great talents. God bless you. Have a great week. Hey, so I'm so glad that you tuned in and listened to this podcast. If you have any questions or any comments, I would love to hear from you and get any feedback that you might have or, or uh, comments that you might add to this discussion. You could email pastor at Two tworiversassembly.com. That's T-W-O, Rivers and and just share with me what your thoughts are. Maybe something that I talked about that you you might be confused by or something that you want some clarification or maybe you want to challenge some of the ideas that we've presented. And I'd love to be able to kind of sit down with you and talk through those things and, and hear what this impact is making in your life. God bless you. Have a great week.